Man, it is awesome to be here with you guys this morning. So much fun. And uh, Pastor Keith, I think he was talking about 1030 last night because that was my kids. Um, I don't know if Tracy and Nate are here this service or not. Maybe not because our kids kept playing and playing and playing until they finally got kicked out at 1030 last night. They had a lot of fun. We had a ton of fun. If you guys missed it, I have to say the carnival I thought was incredible. For several different reasons, as a parent, we enjoyed watching our kids bounce up and down and have a good time and ride on trains and watch BMX and all those crazy things. But honestly, my family and I, we get to be a part of a lot of events, and I can truly say I don't know if I've ever seen an event like what Community Worship Center spearheaded yesterday, where there are literally more people attending the event than live in the town the event is being held. That is incredible. You guys should give yourselves a big round of applause again. I'm serious. That is amazing. You know, there were so many great things about it. I remember at the end, just kind of waiting after we were all finished and hearing Pastor Keith, and it was time for the big giveaways. This one thing happened that I kind of could resonate with. And that was we started giving away prizes. We all love to win prizes. And I heard the announcement that they were about to give away a Nintendo Switch. And you could just hear collectively, the kids in the audience, and a few adults, take a breath in anticipation that they might be the ones to win the Nintendo. And I thought, I can relate to this. When I was a kid, Nintendo was a big deal. How many of you guys can admit? Yes. Although our our Nintendos were a little different. We had the original Nintendo Entertainment System, which still probably has the best games. You know, things like Tech Mobile, Excite Bike, and of course, the most famous game, Super Mario Brothers. See, some of you guys, the smiles on your face, the memories are coming back, right? Now, if you're not familiar with Super Mario Brothers, it's a pretty amazing game. The graphics, not fantastic, but it was still exciting, okay? There were these mushroom-shaped characters and flying turtles and other weird creatures, and the whole goal was to get past all of these creatures and rescue the princess. And as a kid, maybe eight years old, this is when I had real disappointment for the first time in my life. Because I remember getting to the end of level 1-4, rescuing what I thought was the princess, only to be told, the princess is in another castle. (laughs) You guys have played this game. You recognize this game. In fact, the story of this hero trying to rescue a princess or a group of people is not new. It's pretty popular. In fact, if you look at the top 11 highest grossing movies of all time, four of them are Avengers movies. The number one movie that's made the most money is Avengers Endgame. There are all these stories of these heroes or group of heroes trying to overcome an enemy and rescue a group of people. In fact, you can look at Star Wars, which for decades has been popular, follows that same storyline. The most popular book series of all time, Harry Potter. Same idea, this person trying to beat the bad guy so all these people could be set free. Whether you agree with those things or not or like the stories, you can't deny the fact that we are obsessed with the stories of this hero overcoming an obstacle to set a group of people free. Now, of course, the greatest example is Jesus Christ himself. In fact, I think that's why we can all resonate with it, because we need this Savior who can set us free and overcome the things we can't overcome. Today, I want to look back a little bit further in Scripture to a different legendary rescue attempt. See, there was this group of people that were forced to be slaves. Their identity was stolen. Their faith was assaulted. For 430 years, these people, the Israelites, were forced to be the slaves of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But in a legendary rescue attempt, God has now raised up Moses 
to be the strategic influence to lead these people to freedom. If you have your Bibles, look with me in Exodus 6, verses 6 through 8. That is where God is giving this promise to Moses about what he's about to do. In those verses, Exodus 6, 6 through 8, it says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This is the promise that God had given Moses. You are going to be the people that leads people out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And that's what happened. There were a lot of confrontations with Pharaoh, 10 different plagues. But after 430 years of slavery, these people were finally set free. And you know, we sang about it earlier. Pastor Keith talked about it a moment ago. But in the world that we live in, that right now it's kind of confusing as we kind of anticipate what is going on in the world around us. We all kind of wish we could know what happened next. Well, today I want to give you a few things that you can know for sure. No, I'm not going to try to predict the future or anything like that. But what we can know is a few things. Number one is that no matter what happens in this world, God's word still stands. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, grass will die, flowers will fade away, but the word of our God will last forever. When God gives us his word, when he makes a promise like he did to Moses, we know we will see it fulfilled. And the truth is, that's exactly what happened in the life of the Israelites. They were set free. But the journey for them wasn't exactly maybe how Moses or the Israelites had anticipated. Because sometimes we probably get in our own way a little bit, don't we? You know, several years ago in Japan, there was this um, company, a detergent company. And so basically, they obviously sold detergent. There were these cardboard boxes. Inside the boxes, there were these plastic bags filled with detergent. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. Well, there was this problem this company was having, and that was this. A few people had said, hey, we, we bought this box of detergent only to open it up and discover there's no detergent inside. It's just an empty box. Now, at first they thought, well, maybe these people just are trying to get their money back or they're doing something. And so they went to the factory and they discovered that this was truly happening, that more times than it should, these empty boxes were being shipped out to be sold. So obviously they had to figure out this problem. And so they said, we, we, we need to make sure that we are no longer sending out empty boxes. It's costing us money. People are getting frustrated. And so they hired this team of engineers and just the best thinkers they had to solve the problem. And this is what they came up with. They eventually uh, formed this x-ray machine, kind of like at the airport. And what they would do is all these boxes, when they neared the end of the process, would pass through the x-ray machine. And they had to hire two people. Okay, two extra people above their normal staff. One would sit there and watch the x-ray machine. And then any box that came through empty, he would say, hey, that one, that one, that one. And the other guy would pull those off the conveyor belt so that they could go back through one more time and be filled. So this is the solution they came up with. An x-ray machine, two extra people, problem solved. Now, as they were kind of developing the solution, they told some of the other workers, hey, this is the problem we've been having. Um, if you hear about it, we want you to know, but we also want you to know we are going to get it fixed. So they sent the workers back out into the assembly line to the factory. One of them walked over into the corner, grabbed a large fan, set it up there by the belt, and every empty box that came by just blew off the belt. <laughs> problem solved. See, the truth is that in life, we actually as people, psychologists call it complexity bias. And basically what that means is that if we have two solutions, 
we likely will choose the more difficult, complicated one. Because for whatever reason in our minds, it just, hey, that one seems more difficult and complicated. It must be better. And we end up wasting a lot of time and money where you could have just set a fan there and solved the problem a whole lot easier. And see, and that's kind of what happened in the life of the Israelites. You see, their journey could have been really short. To go from where they were in Egypt to the land that they had been promised probably would have taken them a few weeks. When my family left to come out here, it took us a couple weeks. We slowly worked our way out here. But you can imagine if I had called Pastor Keith and said, hey man, uh, somewhere along the way, I got off on the wrong road. And I don't know where I'm at, but my GPS says we'll be there in 40 years. <laughs> That's a lot of are we there yet, right? <laughs> now, the truth is that we would say, well, that has to be the most frustrating thing in the world to have a, a, a trip that should take a few weeks, take 40 years. But that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. And a big part of that is because I think they failed to trust God. That seemed too simple. I mean, all we have to do is continue to let God work and do miracles and we just walk out of here into freedom? See, it wasn't that easy for them. Because mentally, they weren't ready. In fact, fast forward to Exodus 13... Verses 17 and 18. See, the solution could have been simpler. It says this, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Now, sometimes in Scripture, we're told something, and we kind of walk away wondering why. You know, every now and then, all of the answers aren't given to us. But this one, it's perfectly clear. It says, For God said, If they face war... They might change their minds and return to Egypt. See, it wasn't, well, if they faced war, God was exhausted from sending all these plagues and he just couldn't do another miracle. It wasn't that they weren't able to do it because we read a little further. It says, so God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. See, these verses for me have resonated pretty strongly for several months. Because I think there's an important verse, an important line in there that's easy to gloss over and miss. So look at it again. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea, period. That could be the end. In fact, it would have made a lot of sense, right, if that was the end. God did not lead the people out of Egypt on the short way because they just weren't mentally ready for it. So instead, we took the long way. But there's an extra little piece in there. And I don't think it's there because the manuscript was submitted and whoever was publishing the Bible at that time said, you're a little short on the word count. Could you go fill a few other things in there? We know that doesn't happen, right? In fact, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Which means that if it's in God's word, it is useful and it is for us. And there's this extra little piece in there at the end and it says this, the very end of verse 18. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. So if you look at that again, it says, God didn't lead them on the short path because if they would have faced the Philistines, they might have turned around and went back. But hold on, because they were led out of Egypt armed for battle. Hadn't they just watched God send all these plagues down? Hadn't they just been freed from 430 years of slavery and they were armed for battle? I think this story could have been way different. See, we could look at this story and use it as an example that sometimes God puts you in a difficult situation, like these guys were slaves. 
But he's doing something at that point. He's building you up and strengthening you and preparing for you for a battle ahead. And yes, that's true, but that's not this story. See, that's not the story we find in the land of the Israelites that God had used that hard work they did as slaves to build them up and make them muscular, prepare them for the battle ahead through the Philistines. No. Instead, we're told these guys walked out armed for battle, but they weren't ready to fight. In their head. Verse 17, God says they might change their minds. They're not ready for this. So that's exactly what happens. Instead of going into the war, they take the long route. I wonder how often we as Christians are in this same situation. That God has prepared us. He has done things in our lives repeatedly enough that we should trust him. But then we kind of overthink it. And we actually know a few verses. We've been around long enough to sing God's praises, to hear repeatedly that his word holds true. We're armed for battle. But if we ever had to do anything we probably would just turn and walk away. You see, sometimes that's what happened. In fact, God clearly knew what he was talking about because if we fast forward a little bit, we'll hear a little bit more. But before we get there, I do want to say this. Oftentimes in our life, we realize that we were failures in our own minds. We didn't do what we could have done or maybe we made some mistakes we wish we could take back. But here's one more thing you can know. Even when we do things the wrong way, even though the Israelites weren't trusting at first, that didn't mean God gave up on them. He still had a plan. The same holds true for us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2-4 says, We always thank God for all of you continually, continually mentioning you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4 says, We know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. But here's the thing. You see, we kind of get in our own way sometimes, just like the Israelites didn't take the short way, they went the long way, and we find out that God, as always, knew what he was talking about. Remember he said that if they face a war, if they face a struggle, they'll change their minds and go back to Egypt. Well, now here they are, their backs against the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army is approaching. Exodus 14, verses 10 through 12 says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Pretty interesting, right? I mean, here they were after 430 years of slavery. Just momentarily they get away. And the first time they face the challenge, they do just what God said. They're going to change their minds and go back. Only there's nowhere to go back to. Because they turn around to go back and here comes the Egyptians in the army. And they began to say this thing to Moses. They began to say, were there no graves in Egypt? And the truth is, that wasn't a real question for them. They were mocking Moses. Because Egypt was and still is very famous for its graves. See, the concept of being buried was extremely important. People were never cremated because they thought it was very important to, as much as possible, keep a human body intact and prepare for it for the afterlife. The amount of your grave was significant. In fact, in 1922, 
the tomb of King Tutankhamun in Egypt, Egypt's Valley of the Kings was discovered. Many people say it's the most famous archaeological discovery of all time. And when you read the description of King Tut's tomb, to me, it sounds a lot less like a grave and more like an exotic real estate listing. I'll tell you. Here it is. Here's the description of his tomb. Sixteen steps descend from a small level platform to the first doorway, which was sealed and plastered beyond the first doorway, a descending corridor leads to the second sealed door and into the next room referred to as the antechamber. This chamber contains 700 objects, including three funeral beds, one in the form of a lion, one a cow, one a composite animal with the body of a lion, the tail of a hippopotamus, and the head of a crocodile. Creativity at its best. Perhaps the most remarkable items in this room were four chariots that were still in working condition. One of them was probably used for hunting, one for war, another two for parades. Remember, this is all in the tomb. On top of this, there was a large chest found with containing military items, walking sticks, the king's underwear, and a trumpet. I like the fact that they mentioned the king's underwear was there, right? All of our moms have always told us, wherever you go, bring a spare pair of underwear. He took it true all the way to the grave. That's, that's good. There were two trumpets found in the tomb, which are the oldest known functioning brass instruments in the world. Beyond this chamber, there was a burial chamber. That chamber was ornately decorated. The coffin was a three-piece sarcophagus constructed in quartzite, a lid of rose granite tinted to match. It's important they have matching things to bury you in. The innermost coffin was 240 pounds of solid gold. There was another room that was a treasury with over 5,000 objects. And then another room with oils, ointments, scents, food, and wine. So clearly, Egypt and their graves were a big deal. See, they were famous for their graves, and whether you were King Tut or a normal person, when they buried a person, it was important that they preserved the body, that they filled your tomb with things of this world that were important. And so now the Israelites are saying, you know, Moses, if we were just going to die, I think Egypt was a good place for that. You know, they have some pretty great graves there, right? So why in the world did you bring us out of here? And then they start to forget so much about who they were that they just start longing to be what they were, slaves. Like, seriously? The first time you face this kind of objection in your life, now you want to go back to being a slave? Really? Because there's one obstacle in front of you? But so often that's exactly what we do, right? How many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hands before I go too far. Because I think it's all of us. Know somebody maybe it's you, who goes back continually to something that we know is not good for us, but we keep going back to it. It's an addiction. It's something online. It's a relationship that you know is not good, but you return to it again and again and again. You know, we see that from the outside and we say, why does that person keep going back to that relationship? They know how bad it is. Well, you know why we do these things? It's because it's what feels normal. And often we long for normal because normal is comfortable. In the past year and a half, how many of you have, how often have we heard somebody say, once we get back to normal, when things go back to normal, and we maybe forget that normal for many people a year and a half ago was saying, I really hate my job, wish something could take me out of this. I really wish that I could do something of significance with my life. But now that life is changing, we're like, I wish I could just go back because uh, now I don't have a job and the awful one, I, I kind of like that. 
You see, so often that's exactly what we do in our life. We say normal is comfortable. In fact, we even talk about things like comfort food. Yeah, comfort food. You know what I'm talking about, right? Salads. Celery care. No, 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 that's not at all what we mean, right? When somebody says, man, it's been a long day. I'm so stressed out. I just need some comfort food. That means open up the bag of chips, order the pizza, give me some ice cream. Why is, why is that comfortable for us? We know it's bad, but it brings me comfort. And so we go back to the negative. You see, here's the thing. If we really trusted what God was doing, we would know he will make a way through this, even if it's the Red Sea, and I'm not sure how he's going to do it. See, life would be a lot easier if we just kind of knew what was coming. Maybe actually you guys know more about what's coming than you would guess. In fact, I'm going to give you a chance to prove it to yourself, okay? We're going to try a little experiment, okay? You're going to use your ability right now to just anticipate what's about to happen. Pretty simple. There's going to be two options. I brought along a 50-cent piece. There is a head side and a tail side. Would you help me with this? What's your name? Maddie. Maddie, there's stairs over here. Would you come up on the stage with me? She's like, seriously? Yeah, round of applause for Maddie. Maddie, you're going to help us out, but you're not the only one that gets to participate. Come over here. All these people get to help as well. In fact, because you're up here, they're all going to participate in just a moment. It's going to be great, Maddie. Now, on the coin, Maddie, come just a little bit closer. There is a tail side and a head side. It's a 50-cent piece. I'm going to have all of you guys just kind of guess what you think is about to happen. I'm going to flip the coin. If you think it's going to be heads, you're going to raise your hand like this. Now, here's the thing. You've got to be confident, okay? And you can't cheat, I mean, we are in church, okay? Okay, so if you think it's heads, none of this, and then changing your mind at the last moment, you got to commit and be heads. If you think it's tails, you're going to place your hands down by your side. Pretty simple game. So go ahead and stand up. You all get to participate. Try this out. You're just going to test your ability to kind of anticipate what's about to happen, okay? Because we all wish we could know what was going to happen next. So if you think when I flip the coin, it's going to be heads, raise your hand up nice and high. If you think it's going to be tails, Place your hands at your side. Okay? Heads or tails. See, you're cheating already. You raise your hand, you put it down. You <laughs> commit. Commit. Okay? Not halfway. Like, you got to be committed, okay? So no cheating. We have some heads. We have some tails. Everybody lock your answer in. And Maddie, right? You're going to call it out for us how we do. Tails. Tails. I hear all the competitive people. Oh. If you had chose heads, you can have a seat. If you were tails, you can remain standing. Real quickly, choose again. Heads or tails, heads or tails. Those of you who are still in the game, heads, like, if you all choose tails, this is going to be a really short game, okay? Those of you still standing, make a quick choice. Heads, tails. Heads, tails. Heads or tails. Oh, some of you are last second. That's okay. Heads or tails. We're going to lock it in. Heads or tails. Maddie, what do we get? Tails. Tails it is. Oh, yeah. Pastor Keith is good at this. I'm telling you, last service, he, he was right there to the end too. Okay, uh, those of you left, we got to kind of narrow this down. So let's maybe half of you go heads, half tails. We're not going to all count it out. You don't all have to go heads. Some of you guys can stick with tails. Lock it in. No, no halfways. Come on. Make sure they don't cheat. Heads or tails. You guys are all locked in. And the answer, Maddie, is? Tails. Tails it is one more time. Is that three in a row? It's pretty good, pretty good. Now, everybody left. This game might go on forever because some people probably are going to absolutely refuse to raise their hands in church no matter what we do, right? <laughs> Is that how that works, Pastor? <laughs> okay, we need uh, somebody. If you want to choose heads, choose heads. If you want to stay tails, stay tails. Heads or tails, heads or tails, heads or tails. Lock it in. 
Now, I, I didn't mean to guilt you guys into that. You didn't really have to do this. Heads or tails, I think we're doing okay. We have some heads and some tails. Maddie, we are heads. You were awarded. Okay, a few of you guys left real quickly. Oh, we have one, one lady left standing. Fantastic. Are there more? Oh, there's a few more. There's a few more. Real quickly, make your decision. Heads or tails? Heads or tails? Two heads and a bunch of tails. That looks like what we have. Is that right? Only two, two heads? Everybody else's tails? Maddie? Tails. Tails. We're narrowing it down. Those of you guys who are left, real quick decision. Heads or tails? What are you going with? Heads or tails? Lock it in. Heads or tails? And we have? Heads. Heads. Are you guys the final two? This is so exciting. Your neighbors. You're on the same wavelength. You think the same way, right? So there we go. Uh, all right. Now I'm going to ask you to do something you haven't done yet. You have to each choose something different. Heads or tails. Heads or t- You didn't even give her the option, did you? Just right away. You don't get to choose. I'm making the decision. Heads or tails. We have them locked in. One left. Let's see how we did, Maddie. Heads. Heads it. We have our grand prize champion. What is your name? Sean. Fantastic job. Sean, you can have a seat. Maddie, you can have a seat as well. Round of applause for Maddie for helping us out. So that's pretty good. I mean, of all of you guys, we flipped the coin several times. Sean, every single time you knew what was coming. It's pretty impressive. You know, Sean, actually, um, before this all began, I made a little prediction myself back here. Um, In this envelope, I wrote a few things down. In fact, uh, what I wrote down was this, uh, the last person standing will be a guy, 50-50, in the third row, one, two, three, wearing a black shirt with a beard. (laughs) Way to go, Sean. See, here's the thing. Can I really know exactly what's going to happen in the world? No, those of you who maybe just stumbled in this morning, um, I'm an illusionist, and so just so you know, that's not real, okay? We can't know all those things, but there are several things we can know. We can know that God's word still stands, that even when we mess up, he still has a plan for our life. And there's more to it than that. You see, as the story continued, we begin to see this process unfold. There were 40 years that Moses led the Israelites through the wilderness till they finally We're about to enter the land that had been promised them. But something strange starts to happen. See, Moses gathers everybody together and he starts speaking to them. This had happened before. But this time, it almost feels like like he's saying goodbye, like he's delivering this farewell address. And that's kind of weird. Because like we said, he was the leader that had been risen up to deliver these people from their slavery out of the hands of Pharaoh in Egypt. And you know, if you were playing Super Mario Brothers and you finally made it to that very last level, and there you were about to rescue the real princess, that's not the point that you're going to kind of shrug your shoulders and shut off the power and just say, that game was fun. You want to see what happens. You want to actually accomplish the mission you've been called to. You don't shut off the movie right before the heroes finally succeed in accomplishing their quest. But that's what Moses was doing. 
Here they are about to walk into the promised land, and he starts talking to them as if he's not coming along. Deuteronomy 5, verses 32 and 33. Moses is relaying this message to the Israelites, and he's reminding them of the covenants that they had made with God. He says, so be careful to do what the Lord has commanded you. Don't turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has promised you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land you will possess. Continuing into Deuteronomy 6, he says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess. We're about to cross the Jordan and possess the land. Remember these laws. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. God keeps his promises. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. At this point, the Israelites have heard all this before. That was weird because it felt like he was giving them this reminder, saying to them, you're about to cross over. They're like, are you not going with us? But the laws and the decrees and the commands, he was reminding them of, they'd heard it all before. But then, Moses brings something different. And I'm sure as he began to say these next words, all of a sudden, everybody perked up and said, hold on a minute. This part's new. In fact, for the first time in Scripture, we see something appear. Something so significant, Jesus himself would repeat this and amplify it 1,500 years later. We look in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Now Moses brings something different. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. See, it's been 40 years since Moses had come down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, with these lists of do's and don'ts. But now for the first time, he's connecting the idea of obedience with love and saying, we're going to follow the commands that God has given us, not because these are things we have to do and we're afraid that if we don't, something awful will happen, but rather, what if we said, I will follow these commands because I love God and I trust the plan that he has for my life. I trust his promises and therefore, out of my love for him, I will obey the commands he's been given. Later on, Jesus is asked this question. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, what's the greatest command in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. He's repeating what Moses said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. See, in a world that's often confusing and crazy, in a world that we look around and we kind of say, I do not know where things are going. I do not know when the world has ever been so divisive that our own friends, our own family, our own neighbors believe and think things different and they're so passionate about it, they say and do things that are just out of control. And then we realize we're a part of that too. But when we ask in this crazy world, what can we know? Number one, God's word still stands. His word is true. His word is the authority for all things in this world. 
We can know that no matter what is in our past, no matter how we've screwed up the path along the way, that he still has a plan. And last, we can know that above all else, as we walk through this world, the command we've been given is the command to love. That we need to be reminded that yes, there will be battles that we face. And just like we found early on, God has prepared us. We are armed for the battle. We can't turn and walk away. But we know that God has equipped us and prepared for us to do the difficult things in front of us. But there's a way that we do it in a way that we love. Can I pray with you guys this morning? God, we thank you so much that your word is the ultimate authority and that in your word we can find our identity. That you tell us that we are chosen by you and that you have a plan and purpose for us. And God, it's so easy to lose our identity in the things of this world, to get distracted by other things that lead us astray, to let our minds fill with doubt, as we even sometimes wonder if it could really be that simple. Do we really just have to call upon you as our Savior and not somehow go do a bunch of other things to find the hope to be rescued from our own sin? Is it really that simple that if we trust and follow you, that you will keep your word and that you will keep your promises. And God, as we face situations in this world, I pray for wisdom for each and every one of us to know that there are times that there is a battle in front of us we need to step into and you've armed and prepared us for it. But God, as we do that, we do it in a way that we pour out your love. That we would actually reflect you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.